0: It was a great privilege to be with you this morning and to be able to open God's word with you and to study one of the more well it's a familiar passage uh, but it it always is good to come back and review even what we think is familiar in the year 20 uh, yes 2023 we celebrated the 100th anniversary of the publication of a very influential book it called it was called Uh, Christianity and Liberalism, written by J. Gresham Machen, who is founder of Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia, founder also, humanly speaking, of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. In 2025, we'll celebrate the 100th anniversary of another book by Machen, and it's a book that is also still in print, also still being read by many people, and it's called What is Faith? Now, Calm down, I'm not going to try to go through his whole book today. It's about 300-plus pages and so forth, but, but we are going to do something maybe even more challenging, and that is go through the Bible Let's see what the Bible says about faith. In fact, our main text today is an answer to that question, what is faith? Let's read from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. What is faith? Hebrews 11, 1 through 10. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God and here we will end the reading of god's word what is faith well there are certain things that uh, from the text that we just read that kind of jump out of us the first verse gives us a two-part explanation as to what is faith it is uh, it, it, it is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Things hoped for, things not seen. Assurance and conviction, both of those words, assurance and conviction, tell us that faith is substantial. It is not just having confidence in your confidence. It is not just having faith in your faith. It is a conviction. It is not a maybe. It is a yes. It is definite. It is an assurance and a conviction. Faith in itself has carries with it conviction of truth and assurance. But faith also reaches beyond the present time, an assurance of things hoped for. And that tells us something, that faith is anchored in the future. Faith always is looking to the future. God made a covenant with Abraham, and he said, I will bless you. See the stars of the heavens. Count the sand of the seashore if you can, Abraham, and so shall your descendants be. And Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. God made a covenant with David. Abraham was looking for something in the future, though. His faith looked to the future, to things that had not yet happened. Uh, By the way, you remember, Sarah was beyond childbearing age, and Abraham himself was not a spring chicken. And God said, you're going to have a baby. Now, Sarah laughed, which is where Isaac gets his name laughter, but Abraham believed. Abraham believed. Faith is nourished by examples from the past. It's just like we look back to Abraham, or we look back to to Noah, we look back to to Cain or Enoch, we look back to these examples of faith, and our faith is nourished By these examples from the past, but we live in the present and our faith is active in the present. Our faith guides decisions and what we believe and what we do in the present time, even as it looks constantly to the future for the fulfillment of God's prophecies and promises and covenants. Past, present, and future But faith itself seems to be always, in a way, future-oriented. The assurance of things hoped for. What do you hope for? Where is your hope? What is, and and can you have an assurance about something that has not yet happened? Well, it depends on who you believe, doesn't it? I love it. We're entering the election season. Are you already tired of this? Yeah. Yeah. And every day, we get bombarded with prognosticators who are going to tell us what will happen, or what could happen, or what might happen, or maybe, well, okay, we really don't know what's going to happen. But a lot of people want to put their faith, they want to know what's going to happen so they can make their plans for the future. But we don't know. They have no authority. They have no greater insight. They cannot control the future. Man is constantly tempted to put his faith in false promises. Eve put her faith in a false promise. Again, it was kind of looking to the future. You shall be as God, something that's coming in the future, Eve, if you just listen to me. Take the fruit. It's okay. You'll be like God. We all know how that worked out. Faith is an assurance. An assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Not only does faith reach beyond the present and look to the future, but faith also looks beyond what can be sensed and perceived by our senses. The author here uses sight, we we don't see it. And in other places in the Bible, Paul, for instance, says we walk by faith and not by sight. The conviction of things not seen. Faith looks beyond what can be perceived by the senses, and faith in the context of the Bible, of course, and that's what we're interested in, does this knowing that there is a god who is apart from and over the created world we can perceive so much of the creative world through our senses our sight our hearing our touch our smell and so forth we perceive the created world we don't perceive everything in it even shakespeare had to remind uh, had hamlet reminding his friend horatio there horatio there are things in heaven and on earth that are not dreamt of in your philosophy. There are things beyond our perception. Now, we have kind of a a, a school of thought that says, I can only believe in what I can taste, see, hear, touch, what has some kind of objective, sensible reality to me, and that's all I can believe in. I want to say that's really kind of silly and stupid. Do you really think our perception? uh, do Do you really think that reality, the totality of what is real and true, can be sensed by our five senses? I think everyone should admit that there are things beyond our senses, beyond what I can see and hear, that I should actually believe are true. I grew up during that period of time called the Cold War, And part of that Cold War was the space race between America and the Soviet Union. The Soviet Union actually got up there first. I remember uh, as a young boy listening to a news report, of course, the Soviet Union committed to Marxism-Communism, which denies the existence of God. We always called it godless communism, right? And America has more or less kind of a Christian influence in its history. The cosmonaut went up there and he said, I looked around and I did not see God. Well, duh. Yeah. He's invisible. But for him, and of course it was somewhat of a propaganda stroke for them, I did not see God, meaning our atheism remains. There's no evidence of God. Well, we would, of course, say there's tons of evidence for God, it's just that you're blind and deaf to it. Faith is a conviction of things not seen. We know that there is a God who is apart from and over the created world. Listen to what Paul writes in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. As we look not at the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's To be part of this physical creation is to be transient. It's here today. It's going to change. It's going to disappear. It's going to be folded up. The skies rolled back as a scroll, even. Peter writes, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 6, "...in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary... and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Faith is not bound by time, it looks to the future. Though it may be instructed and nourished by the past and put to use in the present, it is looking always to the future. Faith is not bound by what we can sense with our five senses, our sight, our hearing, and so forth. It realizes there, there is a God who is invisible and yet who is very real, and he has left his fingerprints and footprints all over this creation. We may not see him, but we see what he has done. Second point, faith is anchored in the word of God. Could you tell as we sang Psalm 1 just a few minutes ago that the man envisioned in Psalm 1 is a man of faith. First of all, he does not stand with the sinners, the scorners, the the mockers. He he shuns those. What does he do? He nourishes himself on the word of God, the instruction. Torah means instruction. That's its broadest meaning. He nourishes himself on the word of God, And that word of God, as he takes it in and meditates on it day and night, brings a fruitfulness to his life and a confidence in the coming judgment. Sinners will not stand. Sinners are like the chaff. The unrighteous, the wicked are like the chaff that the wind drives away. There's no stability, no permanence. The righteous will stand in the judgment, but God, but but the sinner will not. That is is a picture not just of a, a kind of legalistic law keeper. It's a picture of a man of faith who reads and meditates and believes God's Word. Faith is anchored in the Word of God. The revelation, the verbal revelation from God to man Simply put this, this way, faith believes what God has said. I think we can remember that, can't we? Faith believes what God has said. The writer of Hebrews 11 gives us an example. He talks about creation. By faith... He says, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith we understand, this is verse 3 of chapter 11. How could we believe that the creation was brought into being, that the universe was brought into being by the word of God? The powerful word of God. Anyone here today who was present at the creation, did you see it happen? No, we didn't see it happen. We have to rely on a written record, and we believe what God has said. The written record tells us that God, by his powerful word, brought this creation into being. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God began to fill the creation and to bring order to it. He said, let there be light, and all of the days of creation uh, are this this grand procession of God's creative acts in which he speaks, and it happens. If you want to know what the Big Bang Theory is, actually, God said it, and bang, it happened. Okay, sorry. I know. Keep my day job, right? Now. Our faith is informed by the account of Genesis one and two, and other passages of Scripture, where we are told that God spoke, and it was so; it came into being. We have this written account. By faith, we believe what God has said, and by faith, we understand. We don't just believe. notice what he does. He doesn't say by faith we believe. That would be a a repetition. By faith, we understand. We have a knowledge that has come to us by faith because we have read the Word and we believe what God has said. I want to draw your attention to another passage from our secondary standards. We read two questions from the larger catechism a while back, but I'm going to read to you a, a paragraph from our Confession of Faith. It's chapter 14, paragraph 2, and it's on faith. Uh, what is, uh, deals with this issue of faith. In paragraph 2, it says this By this faith, a Christian believeth to be true whatsoever is revealed in the word for the authority of God Himself speaking therein. Why should I believe the Bible? Because of the authority of God Himself. Well, isn't that circular reasoning? Okay, God can't be <laughs> contained in a circle. Trust me, if there's all all re- all reasoning about authority, ultimately comes back to a circle. Why do you believe? Because I want to believe it. But why do we believe God? Because of His authority, because of the authority of God speaking therein and acteth differently, faith acts differently upon that which each particular passage thereof containeth, yielding obedience to the commands, trembling at the threatenings, embracing the promises of God for this life and that which is to come. But the principal acts of saving faith are accepting, receiving, and resting upon Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life by virtue of the covenant of grace. I asked you how many of us were there at the dawn of creation and saw it happen. No one raised their hand. Indeed, we were not there. I'll ask you again: how many of you saw Jesus preaching and healing? And how many of you, how many of you saw him? And how many of you are convinced because you saw him? That he is the Son of God. We miss that one too. That's over 2,000 years ago. Well, about 2,000 years ago. But we have a written record of it. We're going through one of those records in, in the studies on Mark that uh, Pastor Darrell was leading, uh, the messages from Mark. We believe God's Word. Notice in this paragraph from the Confession of Faith, it starts off with a general idea of faith that it believes and acts upon the different parts of Scripture in, in appropriate ways. It obeys the commandments. It it trembles at the at the judgments uh, of God. Uh, it uh, the threatenings. It's it embraces the promises of God for this life and that which is to come. But then, then the writers of the Confession narrow their focus. Very, very tightly down to the central part. He said the principal acts of saving faith are accepting, receiving, and resting upon Christ alone for justification, sanctification, and eternal life. We were not there when Christ walked the earth. We did not see his crucifixion. We did not witness his birth, his ministry, his crucifixion, his resurrection, or his ascension. But God ensured that there were eyewitnesses who wrote their account of his life and his ministry and recorded his words. John specifically said that he was writing his gospel so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and believing in his name, you might have eternal life. He wrote it. He ensured that we would read it. He sent messengers throughout the world to proclaim it. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. And we have believed it. We have believed it on the authority of God, the author of Scripture. We have an assurance and a conviction that these things are so. Faith is focused, then, on the person and work of Christ. Remember, this is the emphasis of, on the book of Hebrews, written to Jewish Christians who were being pressured and persecuted to some extent, but pressured to go back and renounce their faith in Christ and return back to the fold of a, I would say, corrupt, unbelieving Judaism Judaism does not have to be corrupt and unbelieving. It is, in fact, the religion of the Old Testament. But this version of it was corrupt and unbelieving, and the Christians are being, the Jewish Christians are being pressured to go back to it. The writer of Hebrews teaches them over and over again, but you have now something better. You have a better high priest, a better prophet than Moses, a better high priest than Aaron. You have a better covenant than the old covenant, and you have better promises. Why would you go back to the old ways to the, the, the distorted ways? Why would you go back when you have a perfect mediator? and in him and him alone you have an assurance and a conviction about what is to come, even eternal life and so he gives us all these historical examples in chapter eleven examples of faith in action. The writer of Hebrews is focusing our attention back on the person and work of Christ, as he himself is alone, is the only sufficient Savior for sinners. Trust the Son of God, have faith in Jesus Christ. Embrace the ministry of the prophet, priest, and king that God has anointed and sent to us. Look beyond today to the future promise of eternal life and inheriting the eternal kingdom. Be certain of the power of the risen Christ, even though you have not seen him, to deliver you from sin and judgment and bring you safe to a city not made with hands, just like Abraham. That's where faith comes down to its tight focus on the person and work of Christ. Should you have faith in the church? The church, in its best times, is an instrument that God uses for the gathering and the perfecting of his people. But you know as well as I do that the church often disappoints and is unreliable. It's not an ultimate authority. Christ speaking to us in Scripture, God speaking to us in Scripture, applied to us by the Holy Spirit, pointing us to Christ is the the authority that we trust. We acknowledge and assent, agree that what the Scripture teaches us about Christ is true. We acknowledge its truthfulness, and we put our trust in Him. Brothers and sisters, All that we say about Christ, though, does not avail you anything until you trust him. If you are a drowning man or woman or even child, and you're floundering around in the water, the boat has, the boat, or you've fallen overboard, you're floundering in the water, and you're going down, and you can't swim, and you can't save yourself. But I'm up there on the on the deck of the boat with, a, with, a, with a, a, a buoy, a ring, a life ring to toss to you. And I toss it to you, even as I would share the gospel with you. It's not just sharing the gospel, but preaching, proclaiming with God's authority the gospel to you. And I would give you God's command that you should believe and repent. Repent from your sin and believe the gospel. Hold on to that life preserver and you're you're floundering in the water, and you're splashing around and choking on the water as it gets into your mouth, and you look at the life preserver and says, yes, that's a life preserver. And I truly believe that that's a life preserver. It's not going to save your life until you reach out and grab it. And you can know many things about Christ. You can even agree that there are many truths that the Bible tells us about Christ, but you must embrace him. You must hold him to your heart. You must say, Lord, I come to you a vile sinner, worthy of nothing but death and judgment. But I trust in Christ. Who shall lay any charge to God's elect? It is Christ who died. So I urge you, if you have never come, if you have been a listener, and maybe even as John Bunyan described himself one time, a brisk talker in things of religion. If you have, if that's where your comfort zone is, I want you to break out of that comfort zone and embrace Christ as he is given to you in the gospel. I don't preach a lot anymore. So I'm really, I'm going to make the best of this. <laughs> we have examples in Hebrews 11. Abraham, Noah, Noah first, Abraham. God told something, Noah something that was going to happen, but he hadn't seen it. It hadn't happened yet, but he believed God, and he built the ark according to God's command. He saved himself and his family, and said he became an heir of the righteousness that is by faith. God told him, he revealed to him what was to come, and Noah believed Abraham was told to go to a land that he had not seen, the conviction of things not seen. And he obeyed. He believed. God, actually, there are at least three places in the book of Genesis where God speaks to Abraham and assures him of his covenant promises, and Abraham believes. And then there's that beautiful statement in Genesis 15 a statement which echoes down through the pages of Scripture is quoted in the New Testament and is kind of a motto for us. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Examples for us. Jesus told his disciples, In the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Bible tells us this: we walk by faith and not by sight. It also teaches us that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. In the Book of Revelation, there's a scene in which the uh, Satan arises and accuses the believers, the, 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 uh, the bro- our brothers, the believers, and he accuses them before God. And the Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They testified to the truth and power of the Lamb of God. And his redeeming blood shielded them from the accusations of Satan. When the world tells you that what you believe is a lie, we say, but I believe God is a God of truth who cannot lie. It's in the book. He does not change, and he cannot lie. Therefore, my faith is founded upon the eternal word of an eternal, unchanging, truthful God. When the world mocks because we do not join with the world in its rebellion against God, its sin, its rejoicing and celebrating of evil, we know what we believe from God's word. There is a day of judgment, and the wicked will not stand in the judgment, but the righteous will be saved. When temptation comes to us, and we, see, we, we are tempted to taste the pleasures of sin for a short season, and they're so attractive, and they're so fulfilling, we think, and they're so present right in front of us, All I have to do is reach out for it. And we remember the words of Scripture. You cannot be a friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. When hardship comes to you, we overcome by saying, I have put my life in the hands of the living God. And as Samuel Rutherford once wrote, or at least the testimony that he left, which was put into a a beautiful poem, he says, with mercy and with judgment, the web of life he wove. And we have the record of Job. Shall we not receive good and evil from God? He blesses us in good times. By the way, he also blesses us in the bad times. The sovereignty of God becomes a great source of peace in troubling times. When death sharpens his blade and points his bony finger at us and says, your time is near, I remember what God has promised. Life, life, eternal life. I remember that I have a resurrection to look forward to and that I will inherit a land in which there is no curse, no death, no suffering, no weeping, where death has been transformed from the ultimate enemy to my graduation day. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. These things I believe... And I am assured that they are true, even though they haven't happened yet. And I am convicted that they are certain, even though they go beyond the ability of my senses to perceive them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to believe your word in all things. Teach us, Lord, to put our faith in you. Not in ourselves, not even in our good works, not in the world around us, but in Christ alone, in the gospel alone, the word of God, in you. Teach us, Lord. We might say with the centurion, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Strengthen us in faith, Lord.